So this morning we're going to do a little ministry spotlight. Amy, will you come up please? So our ministry spotlight, we want to look at what's going on in the life of the church. Where God is working, what he is doing through the people here. Uh, So let this be an encouragement to you guys. And as much as it is for me, because I get to to see it kind of firsthand. Uh, So not firsthand being there, but because you'll find out why. (laughs) All right, so Amy, what ministry are you doing on Thursdays? Um, So it's a mom's group that I lead. It's called Free to Feed. And it's actually not a church-led ministry, I would say, but God has kind of turned it into a ministry anyways. Um, Do you want me to give, like, the story of how it started and all that? So um, my husband Jeff and I, when we moved down here three years ago now, (laughs) um, I was pregnant with my son Hayden. We moved back from Colorado, and... I wanted to make some mom friends. I had grown up here, but all of my friends from youth group here and everything had kind of moved away, or we were just in different seasons of life. And so um, I got on Facebook, and I started looking for mom's groups and um, got in touch with a mom who led Free to Feed down in St. George. She started it like eight years ago. Her name's Aditi. Um, She's also Christian. And she said, there's nothing up in Cedar. Do you want to start something? And I was like, well... I guess. So um, I started Free to Feed up here, and we just started doing weekly walks, and then it kind of turned into more weekly events. Um, We'll do Mom's Night Out and things like that, and then we started meeting at Red Hills when it would get cold outside so we could still have a chance to be together. Um, But, you know, it's too cold to play out in the snow. So, so yeah. Awesome. So how many moms do you have in your group and kids it varies i would say i don't know 20 20 to 30 moms but they don't come every week it's just you know it depends um sometimes we'll have up to like 10 moms and 20 kids screaming and running around downstairs on any given monday and then there will be three moms and a few kids um we do meet at the park in the summertime and it usually is bigger than that but It's been really awesome that Red Hills has allowed us to meet here because it opens the doors to that conversation because a lot of moms um, are moved, a lot of families are moving down here right now. And so they'll be like, oh, well, who goes to this church? And so then I get to start talking to them about Red Hills and so many of them have come and have visited and um, several, well, a couple actually just come consistently now because of it. That is awesome. That was going to be my next question was, how, how's God been moving in a way to give you opportunity uh, for presenting the gospel? And not only presenting the gospel, but um, living a life that reflects the gospel as well. So that's amazing to hear that just being here has helped open up the door to um, having conversation and having response. Um, so what else is, have you seen God been doing? What can we pray for you guys for? Um, and the ministry and the outreach, and how can we help as a church body to help that grow and to help meet the needs that you guys have? Yeah, first and foremost, just pray for all the families that are coming. Um, A lot of moms that come to church here are part of the moms group, so it's awesome to have just this little um, Christian community inside that where we can all make friendships and, you know, tell others about the Lord. Um, But like I said, there's a lot of families moving to Cedar City right now, Um, 
and a lot of them don't know the Lord. And just praying that we would be that light to them. Um, and having some volunteers would be nice too. Not saying like people from Red Hills need to volunteer, but more mom volunteers. Um, just to take on weekly events, like it's just, it's hard for me to do something every day of the week. Um, not like we have to, but it would be nice to have a couple different options. Because um, a lot of moms work and evenings are hard for me, but a lot of moms are like, well, you do, do you do anything in the evenings? And right now we're not. Um, so having someone to maybe lead a walk in the evening or something like that would be really nice. So if this interests you, please talk to Amy afterward. And your guys' next event um, is going to be April 27th? That Saturday, that Saturday is. is. We're gonna do. We're 20, gonna do like 24th? a paint night. Twenty fourth. The twenty fourth. The twenty fourth. Yeah, it's. We try to do a mom's night out event. No kids. Once a month, and then we're gonna do a paint night downstairs. So dads, step up. You gotta be watching the kids. So the twenty fourth paint night is everyone that's a mom welcome to come join you guys. And it, yeah, anybody can come. And when I think you guys it's gonna meet be twenty dollars for the, because we're gonna be painting. You know, like a step by step sort of thing. What was the question? And then uh, during the week, when do you guys meet? Um, and then we meet, right now we're just meeting once a week on Thursdays. Um, like I said, we're going to start meeting at the park now because it's nice and the kids can run a little more wild. Um, but yeah, we meet at 10 a.m. Um, Thursdays, either downstairs if it's cold outside or at the small park on Enoch and Mid Valley Road um, over there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate it. Um, how amazing God is using Amy. Thank you, Amy, for, for being faithful and obedient to the Lord. If you guys would just look around and look at all of the kids that we have here. And this is, I mean, this is only partial of what we have normally. Um, but there are so many kids within our midst that God has blessed us with. How can we, as a family help raise these kids. One way that we're going to today is this week is going to be Family Sunday. We are going to have the kids stay in, worship with us today. I promise we're, we want to change the focus a little bit. Um, just feel comfortable. Don't feel like you have to keep your, under, your kid under control because I've got kids and I know that is very hard, and it puts a lot of stress on the moms, and because the dads want to just sit and listen sometimes. That's me, actually. <laughs> but um, it puts a lot of stress on the moms to try to keep their child under control, uh, especially the, the younger ones. And so just, just feel comfortable. Um, we're, we're a family. We're accepting. Uh, please be patient to you other people, uh, to the rest of the, our church family. Um, if it gets noisy and it's bothering you, go help them. Um, <laughs> say, hey, your kid's being really loud. Let me, let me sit down with them. No. But let's, let's work together in showing this younger generation what it's like to worship the Lord together. What it's like to pray with one another, to sing in praise, to read His Word, and just to be able to help grow the next generation in the church. And so we're going to be going through, I promise, we're, I'm going to try to keep it short because I do know um, I can get a little bit long. And so I'm going to try to keep it short so that we can keep, keep them in here without having to, to leave. 
Um, but if the kids would come up here, please, all the kids. See, Nyla, come on, guys. Nevea, Hayden, Aubrey, that's you too. That's you too, Aubrey. Okay, just come sit on, come on the stage real quick. I will be right back. Okay. Aubrey, I said that's you. Okay. We're going to do a little activity, okay? Can one of you guys, just one, pick this cross up by themselves? Let's see. Come pick it up, man. You got it. You got to pick the whole thing up. Pick it all the way up. Off the ground. Almost. Come on, dude. Yeah. Nice. Give me some, dude. Give me some. All right. Now, everyone, come take a side. Come take a side right here. Everyone, come grab the cross. Come on, Hayden. Come on, Hayden. Come over here. Grab right here. Now pick it up. Whoa, so now all of you are picking it up. Good job. Now, good job, guys. You can, you can set it down. Just be really careful. Don't smash any toes. Now, how much easier was that? Was it easier picking it up with everyone? Huh? Yes, it was. Was it easy? All right, so this is just an example. Thank you, guys. Thanks. You guys can go sit down. So this is going to lead us into where we are at today in Romans 14. Uh, We're going to be looking at the weak brother and the strong brother in the faith. Um, So as we see, he was a strong brother over there picking up that cross by himself. But when everyone got together, they were able to pick it up with ease. And it was amazing. Um, So before we get into the word, we'll be in Romans chapter 14, verse 1, and we'll go through 15, verse 7. Uh, But before we get into into the word, let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for uh, the kids that you have in our midst. We thank you for the brothers and sisters that you have brought here today. We ask, God, that you would bless this time. You would bless the time in your word, Holy Spirit, that you would give us wisdom, insight, and understanding to your word. Hold me back from anything that I can say uh, that that contradicts your word, but just speak through me. God, I pray that you would prepare our hearts to receive your word and that you just move within us. In your name I ask these things, Jesus. Amen. Okay, I'm going to shut this door. It's kind of distracting me. All right, Romans chapter 14, looking at verse 1 through 12 first, okay? As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. But do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. 
for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servants of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in the honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in the honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us died to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again. But he might be the Lord both of the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So looking at these first verses, we're going to go through a little review of what we've already gone through in Romans. Remember, this was a letter written to the people in Rome, the believers in Rome. How did the believers get to Rome? At Peter's, uh, remember Pentecost, uh, Pentecost back in Acts chapter 2? Peter gives his message, thousands are saved, and they take back the gospel to where they lived in the surrounding areas. So, these Jewish, they were originally Jewish, they go back to Rome. And they present the gospel to both Jew and Gentile. So this, this church is thriving, it's growing under the Emperor Nero. If you know anything about the Emperor Nero, he was a bad, bad dude. Probably even worse than, than uh, Adolf Hitler, as history tells us. But the church was thriving because they had a love for the Lord. There was these little church gatherings and they were going and sending out disciples, sending out leaders to start other churches. They were presenting the gospel with power, with confidence. And so the, the church grew even under the Emperor Nero. Then we have, remember how Paul is writing because there has been no apostolic doctrine that was given to the Romans. There was nobody to go and say, this is what we learned from Jesus. So no apostle had been to Rome yet. yet when he, so that's why Paul was writing. And when he writes to the, Rome, to the Romans, he says to them, I am going to give, he's laying out this, the, uh, this theological doctrine of what, is, what the Christian faith is like. And remember, that's why we are going over. We're getting kind of the broad view of what the Christian doctrine is. We could get a lot deeper, but we could spend years in this, in this one book. So first he starts off with um, the gospel. The power of the gospel. How it declares a man righteous. And then he moves on into the next chapter, in chapter 2 and 3. Um, that no one is righteous. There's no one righteous. No, not one. Everyone is a sinner. Everyone is contrary to who God is. Everyone is opposed to God. There is not one person who can earn his way to Jesus. And then he moves on and he says that righteousness comes by faith. We are declared righteous because of what Jesus and the work that Jesus had done on the cross and the resurrection If you put your faith in him, then you are declared righteous. And he gives the example of Abraham. 
And he gives the example of how Abraham was declared righteous by his faith. And then he goes on. uh, Remember, we went into what was the difference between legalism and faith. Then we went over what the law was and faith. Then Paul goes on in the latter chapters in in chapter 6. No, it wasn't 6. Anyway, um, he goes on to say that we need to live sanctified lives. We need to be set apart for the purpose of God. Then we went over that God was sovereign no matter if you were Jew or gentle, Gentile or gentle, but <laughs> that God is sovereign over all and that your choices still do matter. Even though he had predestined us for the work that he has called us to and he has saved us, your work, your, what you do still matters, but God is still so- sovereign over all. And then Lauren, a couple weeks ago, had presented that we need to trust in one thing, and that's God's word. And you guys went back into Genesis and how, um, how the word of God is reliable. Last week, we went over the spiritual giftings and how we're all gifted in certain ways and how we can use that to affect believers, outs- or affect believers within the church and affect the people outside of the- these walls. And that leads right into where we're at today because now it is dealing with the brothers and sisters, not outside, but inside. It is dealing with the church. He says the first 12 verses, while we split it up, is because this first part, Paul is saying, receive one another. Receive one another. He, he goes on and says, these are the things you do do and these are the things you don't do. But this is what the overall picture of 1 through 12 is, is receive one another. Why? Verses 1 through 3 show us that God has received us. In the first verse he is saying, he is addressing the strong Christian. And he's saying, welcome the weak brother in. He is saying the the strong is the one who has the the liberty, the freedom in Christ, and he understands the spiritual truth. That's who the mature Christian is that he's talking about. The weak Christian is the one who has bound himself by these laws, these traditions, these legalistic mindsets. As we saw, it is one person's keeping these holy days, and the other people, there's this, there's this contention going on. There's, there's this divide. People are eating. People aren't eating. The strong brothers are eating meat while the weak brothers are eating vegetables. The, the weak brothers are uh, observing the holy days and the, the strong brothers aren't. So there's something going on. As you can tell, I'm a strong brother because I eat and I get some. I, get some, I got a comment this morning. I said, we're going over this, man. No, I don't have a problem with eating anything, as you can tell. But that's that's not necessarily the case. That was the issue that was going on then. Because some of the Gentiles in the church, they didn't want to eat the meat because it had been worshipped or sacrificed to these pagan gods. And so they were saying, it's unclean, it's unclean. We know the Jewish tradition. The, true, the Jewish tradition was they couldn't eat meat because God had called it unclean. What did, what did God say in Acts to Peter when he lays down the sheet? He says, don't call anything unclean that I've made clean. All things were declared clean. 
But he's saying there's this issue, this deeper root issue. One person is weak in the faith because they're binding themselves from the liberty that, that Jesus has set them free from. And the other one, understanding his freedom, is going and eating. So it's causing this strife within the church and causing this separation. So Paul's addressing this and he's saying, he's saying to them, receive them, welcome them. This isn't something that should separate you guys. This is a lot like the Christian church today. We see this all over. This is why we have denominations. This is why we have other religions. This is why we have the Lutheran church, the Catholic church, the Pentecostals, the Baptists. This is why we have the four squares. This is why we've got Mormons. We could go on and on. Is because there is this... We tend to move to our own liking, our own traditions, what we think um, is right before God. And it causes a division with, amongst believers. It's causing us to say, I don't agree with these people, so I'm going to go find some more people who are like-minded like me. And I'm going to feel more comfortable here. He's saying, that's not the case God has created us all different. We're all original. We are created by God. We're created in His image. There's this thing going on called the Equality Act. Everyone should be the same. Our culture has changed this equality to being same. Equality means that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not the same. We should, we should take the uniqueness that God has created us with and say, that's equal. We're not, no one's the same. But we tend to go with same-minded like people. For an example, oh, we'll get into this later, but I think St. Augustine said it, be- said it best. He says, the essentials, unity. The non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. In every body there are strong and weak believers. The strong understand the spiritual truths and they practice it. The weak, they have not grown to that level of maturity yet. They still think, sometimes we have the opposite. We think the strong Christians are the ones who set all these laws and traditions and regulations And if they follow those, those are the strong Christians. But Paul is saying the opposite. He's saying they don't understand this freedom that Christ has given us. So we see in verse 4, in verse 4, and I I want, so later on in here, um, in this study, I don't want you guys right now to think that... um, we just leave each other alone, you know, based on our differences and stuff. We're going to understand why. And there should be some essentials that we understand and that we, we do divide over. Because these are the essential doctrines of God. These are the things we need to stand by, but everything else shouldn't divide us. And we'll get into those later. So we see in verse 4, God has received both. Oh, actually, we're going to get into it right now, my notes say. So, 
Sorry about that. So there, these are the primary doctrines, who God is. That there is only one God, the triune God. Now, there's some secondary terms that can go along with that as well, of how you see the Trinity. Um, as, yeah, I won't get into those right now. Um, but Jesus was fully man, fully God. He died physically, rose physically. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And one must be born again to enter into eternal life. Now the rest are secondary, like the pre-trib. We're going to be taken up before the rapture. Mid-trib, it's going to be, we're in the tribulation. And then we're going to be taken up. The inerrancy of the Bible, new earth creation, old earth creation. Baptism is essential for salvation. Communion, what the communion looks like. If, the, if Christ was really in, that we went into some deep discussion with uh, uh, transubstantiation and consubstantiation. I can't even say the words and I don't understand a lot of what goes into them. But those are the things that shouldn't be dividing the body of Christ. Those are secondary items. As long as we are unified in the spirit with the first part, these second issues aren't what's going to cause a divide. We're to come along one another. I can go on and on with this list. This list, I mean, it's amazing how much division has, how much these issues has caused division over the years. This is where you get religion, is when you have to follow and practice these things. I'm not saying that you're not obedient, because if the word clearly tells you what you need to be doing, you best be being obedient. But if the word leaves, leaves pockets in it and, it doesn't, and it's not clear, that's where we can vary on opinion. But I still love you. I still want to come alongside you. I still want to grow with you. So in verse 4, God holds up his own. God is the master. We are his slaves. Who are we to put ourselves in the master's position? Who are we to judge the other slaves? God holds, we see at the end of verse 4, God holds up both the weak and the strong. Like my boy and like everyone else, all the other kids who helped pick up that cross, God holds up both. And it's our job to love no matter what the differences are. So I got to hurry up because I did promise that I would be done. So verses 5 through 9, we see that the, Jesus is Lord. We see this eight times that uh, no Christian has the right to play God in other people's lives, especially when it has to do with other people's convictions that doesn't clearly state in the Bible. Now let me shed some light on this, okay? Because you can go away saying that... I can do whatever I want. I can live a life however I want because I'm free and you can't say anything about it. Okay, the Bible does clearly say if you're in sin, I am to come to you and I am to rebuke you by what the Bible says. The Bible does clearly say that the the word is used to teach, to build up, 
to, and to rebuke. The Bible does say that if you are in sin, you're supposed to come along to that brother and present the sin to him. This is not, I'm not talking about judgment of sin. I'm talking about things that are going to cause differences within us. Not something that's going to tear down a brother and sister with their walk with the Lord. Those are the things that we need to come alongside and say, hey, let me help you in this area. So I am not saying that we just leave people to do their own thing. But when it comes to those issues, and they have their own convictions, then we let God deal with them. Because we see that He is the master. It's supposed to be between Him and the believer. We don't have a place to say otherwise. If it's going to cause you to look at somebody different because of these secondary issues, let's talk. So, um, back to verses 5 through 9. It says, Lord is found eight times in, in these four verses. Unto the Lord to be persuaded or assured in his own mind. This is the issue of dealing with. This is between me and God. And everything that I am doing, I am doing unto the Lord. Going back to Colossians. Every action I'm going to take, I'm doing it for the Lord. There's the issue of drinking. There's the, which we had saw in 1 Corinthians was a problem. Some of us drink, is it going to change the way we view them? Drink wine or have a glass of beer? Is it going to change, oh, he's not really religious anymore? Well, if he's not getting drunk, he's using that spiritual freedom. But as long as it is unto the Lord, I'm doing everything unto the Lord. There there are still some practices that happen in the church today. I was reading some of these things, and um, I remember I read some books, um, and I was really shocked. I think it changes with the culture that we are in. But one thing, Christians thought it was a sin to listen to the radio, to Christian radio, because Satan was the prince and power of the air. So they were like, he's in the radio frequencies. And another one is... Um, Bible translations, that still goes on. If you don't read this, there's the inerrancy of Scripture. Um, there's, there's quite a few. Theater was one of them. Um, I, I read this book that talked about believers back in Shakespeare's time. They weren't allowed to go to the theater. And it was considered a sin if you were caught in the theater. And so a lot of Christians didn't go to the theater because it was free living. Boy, how times have changed. And if we were to look back now, there was even a a divide between Charles Spurgeon and Joshua Parker, I believe his name, two of the greatest people. And uh, Charles Spurgeon had caught this Joshua Parker in the theater, and it caused a divide between them. If they were to look back and think like, man, I let this affect the work of the Lord? How foolish of me. How am I on time? Okay. Then in verses 
10 through 12, we see Jesus is the judge. This is talking about the judgment seat. This is talking about when us as believers give account for what we have done in the presence of God. This isn't talking about the judgment of sin because we have been declared righteous. We have no sin. Jesus has taken our place. So this is saying, it's based upon what's in here. What you do, if you're not doing it out of the love for one another, like in 1 Corinthians 13, you're just a noisy symbol. Everything that you work towards for the work in the ministry of the Lord should be done with the motive of the heart. And it, there's a, a, I can't remember exactly what scripture there is, it's in, but it talks about how everything you, um, is going to be burnt up and it's going to be tested. It's going to be tested to see what's really going to stand, what the motive really was. So I want to hurry up. I'm, going to, I'm just going to jump to uh, 13 and 23 to, to cut on time. Um, we are to edify one another, to build each other up. We are to grow with one another. We're not supposed to just leave the Christians to do their own thing. We're supposed to grow with one another. The stronger are supposed to come alongside the weak. And this is what it talks about in 13 through 28. Um, in verses 13 and 15, it says that we affect each other. Now, 13 and 15, it gives, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love, but you eat. You do not destroy by what you eat. Do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So we affect one another, and this gives the example that we affect a believer by stumbling them, grieving them, and destroying them. But we also can affect them in a different way. We can affect them by loving and coming alongside them and helping them in the growing with them. Strong Christians, we need a balance of both knowledge and love. We're empty with all the head knowledge if we're not putting out love. If we're going to let these little issues divide us and divide the church and divide God's people, we're foolish. But we do, know, we do need to know that we shouldn't be partaking in these things as well if it's going to cause somebody to stumble. If I'm a strong Christian and I want to drink a glass of wine and somebody who's thinking, oh, drinking a glass of wine is bad, don't do it in front of them. Don't cause strife to arise because of it. We're looking for one focus that we see in verse 17, in 16 and 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of the righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We should be putting these things on the forefront of our conversation and our relationship with one another. Are we helping grow in righteousness? Are we helping to grow in Christ who has declared us righteous? Are we growing in peace with one another? Are we growing in joy with one another in the work that we are doing because we are His servants that we have clearly seen in verses 3? In the Holy Spirit, 
We're unified in the Holy Spirit. We are, we are unified in one mind, one body, one spirit. Christ being the head. So we need to help each other grow. We must have the, that must be our priority. We must not force our opinions. It is okay to disagree. But I am very open. I can be persuaded. I'm telling you what. A lot, I have grown tremendously by people who have different opinions than me. I'm like, hey, that really makes sense. You can grow by a difference of opinion. It shouldn't divide you. It should grow you. When the Holy Spirit is moving, you're bouncing things off of one another. You're iron sharpening iron. You're, you're growing in the knowledge of, and grace of Christ. So the last thing in 15, in chapter 15, looking at uh, verses 1 through 7. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the, the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. That last verse sounds familiar. It was the first verse of chapter 14. So go back a couple to, to five and six, please. Let's go back to four. There's two things that I want to focus on in closing. Paul shares an encouragement with us. He gives us two sources of a spiritual power of how we reach the unity in Christ. If we're going to please one another, we need to partake in these things. For whatever was written in former days was written for for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures... We might have hope. Stop right there. The word of God. We can encourage each other with the word of God. We can give hope through the word of God. We need to be in the word of God together corporately as a body in Bible studies and small groups. We need to be getting saturated with the knowledge and the wisdom of the Lord. We need to be finding ourselves in the fullness of God's word. And basing everything upon this. Everything else is secondary. If it's not clear in here, we have the, the difference. That we have openness to difference of opinion. But we should be living our lives in obedience to his word. So his, the word of God, that's a spiritual power. The second thing is prayer in verses 5 and 6. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in the court of Christ Jesus. Being one that together you may raise that you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are we a healthy church who prays together, who comes together, makes it a point to set 
time aside during our week to come together with one another and pray for one another and pray for our community, to pray for God to grow his kingdom here, to grow his kingdom in this church. Do we come together and lift our voices as one? Are we moved by the Spirit to pray for one another? I still... And by myself, I, some, I'll have people come sometimes on Sunday mornings. But what about a prayer night? I know Brandon was praying on Wednesday nights, and it got to the, the same point. Nobody was coming. We need to be in the Word together, growing, sharpening each other, and praying and list, lifting our voices. Why? For the glory of God. The weak come alongside the strong. The strong come along the weak to help grow in the fullness of God, to glorify Him for the work that He's doing in our lives. Let us let Him move in us. We can't stand idle. So in closing, actually, I should end on a better note than that. I'm sorry. I love you guys. (laughs) I love you guys a lot, and that's why I want to present this um, to you guys. Um, We don't need tradition to get in the way of our relationship with Jesus and to divide us. We need to love one another, help grow one another, disciple one another, go back to the things that are right here on our bulletins, love God, love his word, love his, his, the opportunity to come before him, love others, meet the needs of others, be self-sacrificial, look to the example of Jesus who gave up everything, gave up his throne, gave up his life for each one of us, look to that example by, that's the type of love. Not looking at our own interests, but looking at the interests of others. And make disciples. Grow people. But don't do it by yourself. It's by the Holy Spirit. Alright? Let's close in prayer. We thank you, God, for your love and kindness. We thank you for your word. I ask that you would just continue to move within us throughout our week. Um, that you would bring us into uh, just knowledge and peace and joy in you. God, that we can grow in unity with our, uh, one another. And that uh, if we have any issues with one another, God, I just pray that you would bring those to our hearts, that you may reconcile that relationship, and that it would be all for your glory. And it's your name I say these things, Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs>